0: I'm actually really excited about today's episode because the guest that I have on board is someone not only runs an online coaching business, but she also has experience running face-to-face events these last four years. So you're going to get the best of both the worlds. Alia Raja is a life coach and NLP practitioner specializing in confidence and self-love for female professionals and entrepreneurs. Now, Alia is originally from the UK, but she's living in Dubai right now, just like me. Now, Alia comes from a very, very successful career background. She has an undergraduate degree in biomedical science and a master's degree from in public health from King's College, London. But she decided to leave her successful public health career behind and start her own coaching business four years ago. In today's episode, we touch on topics that new coaches constantly ask, such as would certifications mean more money? why is it important to understand the business aspect of coaching in order to make more money? You will also learn about the other revenue streams that Alia has incorporated into her coaching business model. Apart from that, we also touch on some of the strategies that Alia has implemented on her Instagram page that has led to her growing her followers exponentially over the last year. The engagement is also really good on Alia's Instagram page. In today's conversation with Alia, what really opened my mind was about the importance of having face-to-face events with your prospects or clients instead of just having an online presence so that you can have more clients and also mental health and satisfaction. Alia Raja offers one-on-one and group coaching to her clients. She's also a speaker, trainer, and the founder of an online members club called The Women Who Flourish. Alia is also the host of the Women Who Flourish podcast. She also runs empowerment events for women across Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and London, as she has a passion for bringing like minded women together to support each other on the journey of personal growth. So, if you're a new coach or an aspiring coach entering the coaching business, this episode is going to really boost your confidence, get you out of that dreaded imposter syndrome, and take massive strides in your business just by learning from Alia. Welcome to the Tanya Sanli Show. Hi Alia, welcome to the Tanya Sanli Show.
1: Hi Tanya, thank you. Thank you for having me on here today. Really excited to be here.
0: Can you tell us how exactly did you enter the coaching business? What was the whole background like?
1: For sure. So, yes, it's been four years now. Uh, It's gone very quickly. Um, So, my background is actually very different to what I do now. So, I actually studied biomedical science um, a few years back for my undergrad. And then I went on to do my master's in public health uh, back in King's College London, because I'm originally from the UK, now living in Dubai. And that was, you know, the area that I was really interested in, in, to be honest. And in my head, I was like, wow, I love public health. I'm going to, you know, you know, kind of work my way up in this in this sector. Uh, so I started my career off um, working in a, in a few different organizations, first of all, in the voluntary sector, in a startup. Uh, and then I also worked at Public Health England. Mm-hmm. So from a very young age, you know, I worked my way up in my career. Uh, at the age of you know 24, I landed a senior role uh, in a national organization within public health. And really I was like, wow, okay, this is, you know, I guess this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna work my way up in this field, you know, get to a senior level. Um, But the reality is, you know, on paper, I literally had my dream job, you know, I was working for Public Health England, working on the National Antibiotic Resistance Program, like it was pretty epic. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, you know, I just felt like, although I know I'm making a difference, you know, somewhere along the line, I felt like I wasn't, you know, making, having the impact, making the impact that I wanted to be having on a daily basis, and so I really, you know, I just kind of got to the point where I was really thinking, you know, do I want to continue doing this for the rest of my life? Is this what I is this what I see myself doing in five, 10 years, to 15 years? And the answer was no. I was just like, this isn't really deep down what I want to do. And so I really decided to kind of explore my options and really think about, you know, what my strengths are, um, what's important to me, what my values are. And to be honest, I didn't really know what coaching was at the time. I didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, I, I was, I've was i always been interested in, in psychology, in human behavior. It's just something I used to read about and learn about uh, myself on my own journey. And so I really I was just kind of re- researching, um, you know, what courses there are, what's out there, what's available in London that I can join and I can, you know, um, gain and, and, and learn from whilst, you know, working. And so I then came across coaching and there was this, you know, two, free day course that, you know, popped up in London, like happening the next week. And I was like, oh, okay, what's this? Let me, let me, let me go and let's see what it's about. So, you know, I went to the, the two days and I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, I, this is something I can do. This is something I feel that I could be great at as well. If I really put my mind and myself to it and, And then I, yeah, I decided to enroll on the coaching program. I did my NLP and really how it started was I continued to, I I trained and I started uh, my coaching alongside working full-time initially. So that's really how I I got started.
0: You know, at 24, for you to come to this realization, that's really early. (laughs) It's too for you. It's at such a young age for you to realize this. Something that people realize only after they reach 50, 60 years old.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it was for me, it was about, so I started working in this role at 24. I think it was around 25, 26, mm. yeah, that I kind mm. of had this realization um yeah I, and that's the thing I, I called it a, a quarter-life crisis <laughs> <laughs> it was like having a, a, a funnily enough I actually read a book called the quarter-life crisis mm. uh, which is what led me to actually want to take the leap as well so so yeah I think it can come to you anytime really so
0: you mentioned about public health right like maybe it's something that everyone in the UK knows about but I'm not sure what that is
1: sure so public health is really about it's for one it's the the prevention of health so Mm -hmm. you know it's really about you know rather than kind of getting to the point where we're treating it's thinking about how can we prevent so you know a lot of you know with all that with all that you see with with covid now uh a lot of my colleagues uh, who you see on you know on the news on bbc (laughs) i see a lot of them on tv i'm like oh hey um (laughs) so it's really it's policy it's prevention uh it's the programs that you see as well it's working with communities you know it's more on the ground and it's getting you to think about your lifestyle as a whole so Mm. as i said you know the medical professionals very much work on the treatment side of things but we're very much about the prevention and the holistic side of of health.
0: Um, So,
1: you know, yeah, so for what I was involved in, I was working in um, the antibiotic resistance program. So that was very much about, you know, raising awareness of the effects Mm -hmm. of antimicrobial resistance, you know, working with health professionals to say you know we need to educate people more on antibiotic use and overuse of antibiotics, you know, and mm-hmm. rather than jumping to antibiotics, for example, what what can you do instead so it 's really education and prevention um, in terms of health yeah.
0: that must have been such a serious job that you were handling at such a young age I
1: mean it right. was um, and it, it was really awesome, yeah, I mean yeah. so from my you know previous role, I was very much about. Um, community and engagement and mm. creating um, engaging programs to to raise awareness of health. So they brought me into that program in order to you know start engaging health professionals. So really, what I did was bring you know national leaders in health, so pharmacists, wow. doctors, dentists, um, together and to create a forum and say, you know, what can we do on a national level to educate, you know, uh, patients more on the use to educate professionals more um, on the on prescribing antibiotics. So yes, it was I was massively out of my comfort zone. And you know, I even, I even created a forum. um, Mm -hmm. That was one of my tasks to do. And then I said to my manager, Okay, now we just need to get someone to chair the forum. And she was like, Yeah, it's gonna be you. (laughs) And I was like, what? No, 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 no. I've created it and I'm taking a step back. She was like, no, I think you can do it. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah. So, you know, I took on wow. the role. I had to present in front of, you know, 200 people at a conference. I also spoke at the Houses of Parliament as well on the topic, which wow. is pretty awesome. Yeah, so yeah, it was really like, like I said, incredible opportunity and just amazing to be a part of something so big. And it's, it was a huge priority as well um, for the country. So it was amazing to be there, you know, during that time, you know, our prime Mm -hmm. minister was talking about it. So it was, yeah, very important.
0: You didn't know about coaching then, right? And then once you entered the coaching industry, just like me, I also didn't know anything about coaching. Yeah. Okay. And then once I, so it felt like it was new, but then once I entered and once I started diving deeper into it, I realized that there's so much competition in coaching. Do you see competition has increased now? Or do you see, what do you think about there being so many other coaches and then you're also trying to start a coaching business because this is what most of the people would be thinking right? there's already so many coaches what's the point of me getting into this industry mm. what was your thought process at that point of time when you came to know or yeah. what once you started diving into it
1: so I, I definitely feel that there are a lot a lot more coaches that I see now than when I started four years ago um I'm seeing a lot of yeah more variety as well even people from a younger age as well getting into this industry um I think really yeah I mean there's two ways about it I mean when it comes to competition I mean there's there's always going to be doing so many people there are always going to be so many people doing what it is that you're doing and I think you can either look at the people around you who are doing something similar as you know a way to disempower yourself and think oh my god there's so many people I won't survive or you can you know, use it as inspiration. And you can really think about, well, what can I do here to be unique? Because Mm. at the end of the day, you know, coaching is something that's very personal. And if you are a coach, people see you, and they interact with you, they resonate with you, they trust you. And the amazing thing about that is that there's only one you. Hmm. you know you don't need to try and be someone else like if someone else is out there doing a coach that that's great that they've got their own flair their own way of doing things you just have to find your own unique way of doing things and so it's if you if you get if you become consumed with the competition then that's really going to then you know that's when the comparison comes in that's when you think oh you know I can't make a name for myself but you have to really, you know, turn that around and think, well, what makes me unique? And ev- and everyone has their own story. Mm. You know, everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own journey. And that's what people are going to resonate with you.
0: Oh, I love it. Does the certificate, just getting certifications help you with the coaching business, right? Because what happens is most of the people think that the more certifications you get, oh, yeah. the more clients you would get. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: You know, I think the reality is, coaching There's, the coaching is one thing but then the reality is the business side is is so different mm. and I think that a lot of coaches fall into the trap of thinking okay I'm qualified now I have my coaching certification I'm NLP trained I have all these qualifications you know now I'm going to get loads of clients and I'm going to be a great coach and I'm going to have a successful business and I think a lot of people that end up getting very disappointed
0: Hmm.
1: because the business side is very, very different. And I've had to learn this the hard way myself as well, because, you know, I think a lot of coaches, we go into this with very, you know, good intentions. Like I want to help people. I want to, (laughs) you know, make people have a positive impact in the world. I want to change lives and that's great, but it's, it's not what's going to, you know, if you want to actually have a business out of this rather than a hobby You really need to develop other skills. You really need to become more confident. You need to build resilience. You need to have discipline. You need to put yourself out there. And a lot of coaches don't want to put themselves out there. They think, "Oh, I'm showing off," or "I'm feel bad asking for money. I'm taking Mm. money when I'm supposed to be helping people." Mm. So there's so many blocks and limiting beliefs and barriers that coaches face, and these are all things that I've really had to work on. So. I worked, yeah, I had the, I learned how to be a good coach, great coach, but also alongside that, I've really worked on my craft of learning how to create a business from it as well.
0: This is the same problem that most of the coaches feel also that this asking for money, especially female coaches, and they Mm. cannot ask for money. So for them to then just ask the public for money and demand it comes up really uncomfortable for them but there are techniques around it like this mindset this money mindset block can be a big block if you don't make money out of it your business will not sustain anyway and in the beginning you need money once you are able to create a lot of impact people impact clients then maybe money will not be the driving force and that time it would be more about impact but in the beginning you will definitely need money to sustain Can you tell us, Alia, more about your niche in specific? Like you were from the public health background, but what exactly do you do now?
1: I specialize in supporting ambitious women, mainly professionals and entrepreneurs, in building their self-confidence and self-love. So, you know, really helping women to develop a really happy relationship with themselves, really get to know who they are at their core and really figure out what it is that they want in their lives and helping them to take the steps that align with that. And so, you know, the reason there are a few reasons why I've, you know, um, why this is my niche, uh, mainly from both my personal journey and, you know, from the women and that I've worked with and seen, you know, what the real kind of pain points and problems are. So for me, for example, I've really, really been on my own journey of building confidence and self-love. You know, there was a time where I really didn't believe in myself. I really, I never saw that I could do great things. You know, I just never saw it for myself. (laughs) Um, I've always been a a very high achiever. You know, I've always had, you know, good grades. I've always, you know, um, been very ambitious. But the kind of downside with that is that, you know, you can end up falling into a trap of, you know, never feeling like you're good enough. You're always just striving, striving, striving. Um, you can compare uh, and I used to compare myself a lot to other people thinking that I'm falling behind Mm. Um, you know I I, I never really gave myself a break you know there's never
0: an end right you there's there's no matter how much you get it's like you need to keep working hard or you're going to lose whatever you've achieved so far
1: absolutely yeah and I I was in that trap and I couldn't see any different that's just how I lived my life Mm. I was always doing 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 and striving and you know i've and 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 from that and th- so that's kind of the the high achiever part of it in the self love and then from a confidence point of view you know there was a time for example as i mentioned my background in public health where mm. i it was I, I was very lucky in the sense that i had managers and mentors that saw potential in me that i wasn't able to see myself mm. so they told me you can do this and i was like no no i can't and they were like yes you can and it was from them believing in me that I had the strength and the courage to be like, wow, okay, let me just take the first step and try. And really, that the, the reason why I focus on confidence is because honestly, when you start to build confidence in yourself, your whole life begins to transform. You know, yeah. everything just levels up, you know, you start to put yourself forward for opportunities you start to say yes more to things that you want, you start mm-hmm. to say no to what doesn't serve you, your relationships and communication starts to improve as well. And so because I've really seen my life have like huge, huge, huge transformations from that. I'm so passionate about helping women in making those changes as well. And and you know, help being that that voice for them as well and allowing them, you know, to give them permission to themselves to start taking that, those making those changes as well in their lives.
0: When you decided initially, when we were coming to the conclusion of what to price your program, what are the factors that you took into consideration? Does pricing also, is it also included in the NLP training? In my thing, I teach coaches about Instagram, right? Yeah. So when I teach them about pricing their program, it depends on factors such as what is their niche about, who are the people that they're trying to help, um, what is the experience that they have at that moment, and what are what is the outcome that the clients yeah. are going to get. So did you have a problem deciding your price or was it um, easy for you to conclude this is your price because you were already going for an LP training? And maybe you had other coaches around.
1: Um, So to be honest, I decided very early on in my training to work with uh, a coach and a mentor and help me Mm. with the business side of things. I was like, I can like faff around and, and try and figure this out myself, but it's going to take me a lot longer. And I would rather learn from someone who's already a few years ahead and has been doing this for a while. So I can shortcut, you know, all the mess yeah. and, and, and just, yeah, have help really. I don't, I don't think we need to be figuring everything out ourselves as a reason, <laughs> you know, we have support around us. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's that kind of uh, kind of thing that we say as coaches that, you know, coaches need coaches as well. And, I think if you don't invest in yourself, and you invest in your own coaching, how mm. can you really kind of put forward the the need for other people to have coaching? How can you justify it or really explain from the heart, what the yeah. value is, if you haven't invested in yourself. And yeah. so I've really invested a lot of money into my own personal development into my coaches, mentors, mm. programs. And so really, I think from from investing in myself, that's sending a message to myself that, you know, I value myself, I value Mm -hmm. enough and value myself enough to make that financial investment, which then I think plays a part and a factor when it comes to you, you know, pricing your coaching, you're like, well, if I've Mm -hmm. invested in this much myself, I see the value and it's only right that, you know, um, that I that I charge and I charge a good amount. So for me, I mean, initially, yes, the first kind of couple of months it was mm. you know free coaching as you do because mm. you know you're kind of learning how to coach, um, building the confidence, kind of getting an understanding of of what coaching is and everything. Mm. Um, but then you know I decided to charge early on because that I knew that that would make me level up as a coach. And yeah. I think you know way too many coaches just coach for free for way too long because you know, they lack confidence to, to charge, they haven't learned how to, you know, say, this is my package, this is what I offer. But really, all that's doing is just undervaluing what you do. You yeah. know, it's so important to value what you do, and the transformation that you're giving to your clients to say, actually, you know, and, and it's not only about, oh, I'm taking money, I'm charging, it's about when you charge, it, it also forces the client to level up as well. You know, people, I'm sorry to say that people yeah. don't really appreciate and value things that are free, that they yeah. can get for nothing. They just don't. So it's so important for you, if you want to attract clients who are actually, you know, going to put in the work that value you and value this and themselves, mm-hmm. then that's when you know you need to, to charge. So that's where it all came from. I was like, it's gonna make me level up mm-hmm. and it's gonna, you know, attract the right clients as well who are actually serious about this. There
0: was, some, uh, there was one coach, I'm not sure where, I read this, but they said, if you charge low, then you're just going to attract people who are going to come to you just because you charge low. Yeah. But if you charge higher, then you're going to get people who would come to you for the transformation that you offer. And because of that, they would put in the work and you will get the transformation that you will be able to bring because of your strategies.
1: Absolutely, yeah. When they feel like it's a stretch, when they yeah. feel like it's an investment, like oh, this is an investment, then yeah. they're they're forced to then level up. Like, okay, wow, I need I need to make the most of this.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I
1: really need to put in the work here. So, yeah, absolutely. Did you see a
0: difference, like from the time that you started, your pricing would have been low, and then now probably your pricing would be higher? Do you see in the dif- a difference in the type of clients that you're getting now versus back then?
1: Oh yeah, hundred oh, yeah? percent. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell so, us
0: more. I'm excited to hear that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, you know, initially, yeah, when I first started, it was kind of around uh, in, in talking in dirhams. It was like two fifty, three hundred dirhams. Mm. But I never really did one off sessions. It was like packages. I always started off with with packages um, rather than just like a one off session. Mm. Um, so that was a kind of initial price per session um and then yeah i mean naturally uh, over time as the price increases i mean that's the thing you'll get a lot i've had so many people along the way being like oh your you know coaching is too expensive it's, Mm. it's a lot and that's fine but then there are a lot of people who say yes like this is for me and and those are the clients that i want to work with the ones who you know, are willing or or, or can make the investment. And even if it is a stretch, Mm. they are willing to put more in, in the work in it. And yeah, and as you said, when the prices are lower, people will just kind of make a fuss about the price. They won't even... I find that if people ask the price straight away as well, uh, and they're just kind of making a decision based on the price
0: Right.
1: you want, you know, people need an understanding of what actually, you know, the, the, what, what it is that they want to work on, what their struggles are, what, what it is that they can, you know, how coaching can help them Mm. and then make a decision based on that. But yeah, I know, absolutely. I've definitely, but I've become very selective with who I work with as well. Mm. And I think, that's the great place when you come to a point in your coaching practice when, you know, you're not like, I, you know, it's not about I, I need clients or I want to work with people. I, I need, I just need clients. You get to a point where you're like, I know who I want to work with. And these are the only kind of people that I want to work with. And so you decide who your clients are. And I think really, yeah, that comes from, again, experience It's valuing what you do as well, valuing the transformation and then being selective with, with who, you, who you work with.
0: Oh, That's so empowering. I remember one of the times um, someone called me and uh, they were like, uh, she was like, okay, but then what if someone contacts me and then I say I won't be able to help them around. So when I told her, it's not, it just doesn't work one way. You get to choose your clients yeah. too. And that she didn't know that was a possibility. Like the new coaches think that they have to serve everybody that comes to them. Even if that may, that person may, not, may or may not be part of the same niche that she's working on.
1: You know, you know it's the same I say the same with say the same with dating by the way <laughs> People are like oh you know it's like it's not just about the person liking you and showing interest in you you also have to decide hey do I like this person you know do I want to be with this person it's a two way thing and it's the same with business <laughs>
0: yeah dating is also the same thing i mean in dating right now what if if the women do not value them then they think that this is what they get this is the clients i need to serve all the clients
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely 100 percent.
0: so in the business model that you follow right now what are your different revenue streams
1: so um so the sort of high end is my one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. so uh that's you know one-on-one personalized coaching for my clients Mm -hmm. Um, and there you know as i mentioned it's Therefore, that's for women who really want to work on building their confidence um, and, and self-love. So really knowing themselves more. They want to make changes in their lives. Either they're you know feeling like they're not um, putting themselves out there at work. They're struggling to start their side business. They're struggling with where to start. Mm-hmm. So really doing deep dive one-on-one coaching with them. And I'm really there to support them over a few months on their journey. Mm-hmm. So that's the one-on-one. That's the sort of high-end um, level that I offer um, I also have um, a membership. There's a community called Women Who Flourish, um, which just has the most incredible women in there, and it's it's a community. It's an online community, so we have women from around the world, and it's all about you know building this community of women supporting each other on their goals, building self confidence, building self love, and 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 achieving their goals. And With this, you know, it's a mixture of like I bring in experts every month Mm -hmm. to teach about different topics. So uh, we have a new theme every month. This month was mindfulness. We've had relationships. We've had manifestation. We've had feminine energy. So every month we have a different theme. And then we have um, group sessions as well um, in the membership. So that's the the membership. That's the community. Um, On top of that, I also uh, do workshops as well. So I run workshops virtually. And in person after a year and a half because of covid (laughs) I'm very excited to bring out my one-on-one my in-person workshops Mm. um so do that and then I also um get hired to speak as well so I've been hired to speak in companies and in schools
0: oh nice wonderful so when when it comes to the strategies that you use most of it is now virtual right because I can I mean before maybe it was more to do with face-to-face but because of covid everything went online do you think you can i mean what do you think were the best performing strategies that worked for you the platforms was it instagram linkedin facebook or
1: for me it's really been instagram over the past few years Mm -hmm. and i've been very active for the past four years as soon as i started um my journey. I just started putting out videos really on confidence four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really helped me to build my confidence. By the way, okay. I never thought that I would be someone who posts videos on social media, who, <laughs> you know, who'd have a public profile, but you know, here I am. So you um, didn't you know, have business. a
0: profile before you started. It was not public when you started coaching.
1: No, it was just like my private Instagram. Oh, wow. uh, it was just my private Instagram um, that I then, you know, made public yeah. and I started to post, you know, videos on there. Um, which is important. I mean, you need to, to show your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need to, you know, show people who you are. It's not just enough to kind of post quotes and things on your coaching platform. You need to actually show people who you are as well.
0: Yeah, I noticed that over just the last year, I came across your profile just last year because I think you commented on Boss Bind. It was one, it's UAE-based uh, women empowerment uh, Instagram page. And mm. then you your profile has grown so well exponentially within the last year itself what were you doing different compared to the previous years
1: thank you um so yeah so I think with COVID I you know had to transition fully online Mm. so before COVID I was doing most you know a lot of the things uh in person so running events, um, most of my coaching, I mean, I still have, I still have co- uh, clients in other countries, but mostly they were between here and the UK. So my network that I already know in the UK and then, um, you know, UAE, but I did a lot of things in person. So it was about running workshops regularly. I was going out and speaking a lot. I was, you know, meeting clients face to face, having those conversations um, in person, mm-hmm. but then with you know, COVID, I obviously put everything online. So all my workshops, I really leveled up in posting videos regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would host online events um, and just engaging a lot. And I also, I think, you know, within the past year, people were just on their phones a lot more. People were online a yeah. lot more as well. Absolutely. So engagement went up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And and I think people really needed to hear these messages during that time as well. So yeah, that's when the shift kind of moved online But now, I mean, I I love the the mix though. So I love the mix of being able to do a lot online, but also have the in-person interaction and engagement as well.
0: Is it more, I mean, you, because I just came across the coaching very recently, like probably last year. And then now it just looks foreign to me for someone to be coaching face-to-face because every single person is doing it online and they're making so much money online as well. Is Mm it more effort- when you have to do it online or does it make your life easier once it moved online? Everything is virtual?
1: Um, I mean, in all honesty, it was great initially, you know, like oh I can, you know, laptop life, I can, you know, work from anywhere. Um, but it did get to a point where I did miss the the human face to face interaction as well. So you know I, I do a lot of most of my sessions are online, yeah. but you know the clients who are here in UAE, so in Dubai, I meet them face to face. Some of my Abu Dhabi clients come up to Dubai to see me, mm. and especially with the workshops as well. I think you know the 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 in person events. I think it's so nice. Just at the end of the day, we're social creatures, right? Mm-hmm. It's so nice to be able to get together, and it's a different vibe. I mean, you could do- definitely have the impact online, and I still have my group coaching sessions online every two weeks. We still do that in my community, uh, still do that. But I think also in addition, just to get people together who want that as well. So, uh, and I think even just even just for me, I mean, I'm very social. I love meeting people. I love, you know, I, I could choose to do everything virtually, but. I choose to meet my clients face to face as well, just to yeah. just, just because I I want to.
0: You know, I get that uh, because the thing is, when you are online the whole time, you validate your coaching business based on the number of likes, comments, DMs, etc. But if you were f- meeting someone, even if it was just three people that you're meeting face to face, and you see the impact that you can have on those three people, that is enough for you to get a good night's rest and thinking, wow, I did something amazing. Versus you getting just three likes or three comments on Instagram would just make you feel like, oh, today again, nothing happened. My business is down. It's just not working. Everybody else is doing really good except me.
1: Yeah. And I really don't think that social media is you know um representative of how Mm. well your business is doing either Mm. a lot of people can have a lot of likes a lot of comments but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing well in their coaching business i mean i know i mean thinking about it i don't think really any of my one-on-one clients really engage with my instagram posts or really comment on my posts but then we're very engaging on obviously whatsapp face-to-face our one-on-one sessions it's different. I mean, you'll have the people who are very, you know, engaging on your social media who comment and like on your posts, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones working with you. I think that a lot of the time they don't, you know, comment. So it's not, I think it's not necessarily an indicator. I think, you know, just because someone looks like they're thriving or they're getting a lot of engagement, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, I think you can have, it depends how you run your business yeah. as well. You know, you might focus a lot of your attention offline you know, do the kind of old school way of doing things, you know, meeting people, having conversations off social media and have a really great business and not have that much of a great following. Mm. So yeah, I think it could be very easy to get caught up in seeing people and thinking they, you know, oh, wow, they must be doing great. But you don't know what's going on like behind the scenes
0: i teach mostly about getting clients online and i have no clue about how it's done face to face if you if one of my if someone asks you like a new coach how can i get these opportunities to speak to people face to face where do i start where what are the steps they could be following in dubai or in abu dhabi for them to just get started how much in advance do they need to be planning these
1: yeah so Um, I think, well, the way I did it anyway, this was back four years ago Mm -hmm. is I really wasn't ready, (laughs) but I just decided I I put it out there. I put a goal out there. I said, you know what, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to run uh, a workshop and this was only, I think three, four months after I, I started doing what I was doing, started the coaching, And I was like, no, actually, you know, I made the decision two months after I started coaching (laughs) about six weeks. But then I was like, right in two months time. So that'd be four months in total. I'm going to run a workshop. I had no idea how I had no idea if anyone would want to come. I idea, And I just I just did it. And actually, it's the same kind of funny story. When I moved to the UAE, I had no I, I had no idea, actually. Um, I was only planning to come to the UAE for three months, mm-hmm. just on a visit. <laughs> like everybody. <And> yeah, <laughs> like up to thirty years, story, right? Yeah. And I had not, so I didn't know anyone in the UAE when I came here, but I just on a whim was like, well, I ran, I, I ran a few events in London, they were successful, the women there love them, I'm going to just, you know, see, and I'm going to post on Instagram and hope that people turn up. And, you know, to, you know, to, I, you know, I was really happy the fact that I filled a room, the women loved it and Whoa. they were like, wow, can you do more of this? So really my message is, you know, it's, you just have, you just have to do it. You know, mm. you just have to pick a date, pick a title and, and just do it. There's never going to be a time where you're like ready or you, you just have to just go for it. You have to, you, you know, you have to create opportunities. Opportunities are not going to come to you. You have to make them happen.
0: Wow you definitely have a lot of courage you need to give yourself credit for that
1: <laughs> <laughs> but i teach this right yeah. so i really have to walk my walk and talk my talk i've ne- honestly i've never been ready for most of the stuff that i've done honestly <laughs> yeah. i've been scared i've i felt nervous i haven't felt ready but i've i've just done it i'm like i want this so badly you know, I really wanted to become successful in what I'm doing. And so I was like, well, in order to do that, I have to get uncomfortable, I have to do these things. Gosh. And it gets easier. Now, now what was scary for me at one time is like nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's just nothing now. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. You look back and you're like, wow, this would have been terrifying for me before. But now I'm just doing without thinking. So so you just have to do it.
0: Wow, brilliant. Alia, I've had such a wonderful time speaking with you about the whole coaching business, the industry, and learning so much business from you. Because, you know, like I said, most of the clients, not even clients, most of the other coaches that I speak to, they build their business online. And I don't know what it was like face to face, but talking to you, I can understand that you don't use the vanity metrics to validate your business. It's all about face to face, socializing. And that's what matters because after a certain point, anyway, people will get bored of the posts that you post, no matter how much. And even if you try to walk, go around the Instagram algorithm and do tricks and all of those things. Yeah end of the day it's about you meeting someone face to face and them letting seeing the energy that you bring to the room and that's brilliant alia i'm sure all most everyone who's listening to this episode will have so much to learn from you where can my audience find more about you
1: yeah definitely so um i'm on instagram a lot Mm -hmm. um so you can find me on coach underscore alia which is a-l-i-y-a um so that's really yeah, the place that you can reach me also on Facebook as well with my name, Alia Raja. Um, you can catch me there as well or LinkedIn can connect there.
0: And you also mentioned about uh, your new event coming up. I just saw that. Can you tell us more about it? Where can they come visit? Yeah, you? absolutely. Um,
1: and before yeah. one thing, actually, I just want to add on as well is that I also have a podcast and it's called the Women Who Flourish podcast so that's you know if you're looking for tips on confidence on self-love um then definitely you know listen to the podcast I also interview women who are on this journey you know real life stories Mm -hmm. from my community my clients as well that share their journey of what's helped them so yeah it's on Spotify iTunes you can listen there to the podcast um and yes in terms of the event so it's uh, it's a self-love event you know I think self-love is just so 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 important and you know, the fact that now we've finished in a half of the year, we're about to go into the second half of the year. So it's a really perfect time to kind of do like a declutter. I like to call it a declutter of your life, you know, Mm. get rid of what isn't serving you. So you can really create that space to make amazing things happen in the second half of the year. Um, So I've got one in Dubai coming up on the 26th of January, which is next Saturday, and then in Abu Dhabi on the 3rd of July.
0: 26th of yeah, June. So, yeah so <laughs> you're halfway through 26th of june in dubai yes yeah okay what's the location where can they find details yeah, about so, it In on your yeah, instagram so if you just page. um
1: follow me on instagram um, there's I've, yeah. I've posted the details there um on it and also on my website yeah. as well www.aliaraja.com um you can find details there
0: Okay, so I'm to everyone listening, don't worry about it. I'll put all of these details in the show notes and you can also see it on the website. I will also be sending you emails about it. So all the details that Alia mentioned, her Instagram page, Facebook website, membership platform, the podcast details will be there. So make sure to follow Alia and also visit her um, face-to-face, her events so that you can get to know more about self-love and boosting your confidence as a woman. Thank you so very much, Alia, for coming on the show. I absolutely had a blast today.
1: Thank you, Tanya. It was really great to be here.